Welcome, everybody, to the next installment of the Upscale podcast. You're here again with myself, Nate, and Mitch, and Arena. Made it sound like there's four people here. Yeah, I know. Myself, I'm, Nate, well, Mitch, and Arena. I'm expanding the team. This is what this session's about, right? Yeah. Yeah, go on big. Go on big or go home. I like it. <laughs> what a great segue. Let's go straight from there. All right, guys. So we've, uh, we've just done session one, and we're now talking about session two in this series. Um, about growing your business. So uh, in the first session, we talked about the early stages of business and what we needed to do to get to the point of hiring that first tradesperson or that first billable resource. Yep. In this session, we're going to talk about where to from here. We're effectively going to talk about getting to the point of when you have to hire a non-billable admin style because non-billables could be apprentices and so on, but they can also be billable. But effectively getting you to the point in business where you need to hire someone to do all of your administration work. The fulfillment of tasks, admin, all that kind of stuff. So we're sitting somewhere between, what, about 60 to 80, we think, depending on the industry? Effectively, we're sitting somewhere, yeah, around about that, where we're kind of just shy of the 100K mark. We've got enough staff that it's starting to create a massive overload of additional time in the admin space Mm -hmm. for us as as a single person to have to do, because that's the biggest thing here is that you now have added more resources to the business, more billable hours, effectively 160 hours if you're running at 100% efficiency for each billable resource per month, and someone's got to do the administration work that that comes with. Someone's got to feed that. Someone's got to bake more pizza. Someone's got to cook more food to feed them. So in this stage of business, what's that going to be? Because... We're going to talk about the admin hire next time. So that's going to be you. That's going to be you. It's going to be you, but I'm going to put a little bit of like seasoning. You, you do it. Well, I, I think we actually need to take it back a little bit. Yep. How do we actually get there? Yeah, okay. okay. okay yep. That's what this session is about. Mm-hmm. We've, we've gotten to that point. We've got the first staff member and we're probably sitting at around the 30, 40K mark. How do we actually get to that point where we're going to put on that next staff member? Yep. What's required of us to get to that point? Effectively more revenue. If we keep it really simple, we need more revenue with more profit coming in to get us to a point where we have profit to pay someone to do work that isn't actually going to technically generate more profit because it's a non-billable. So the structure stays the same. Structure stays the same, just a flex and an increase on volume. Yeah, exactly. And we we need to look at coming back to, you know, the lead generation component. Yeah. So... Um, initially, we're talking about one lead source and, you know, what we said two. So outreach and some Google ads. I think we need to expand upon this as well. So obviously, we need to continue to do the outreach component and and even more so than ever. Yep. But going back to the marketing. Yep. What do you believe would be the next addition to our marketing arsenal? So we've got Google ads firing and we're starting to generate some work from those. What would be the next frontier for you, Mitch? So we've got Google Ads firing. We've utilized our own network. Yep. And, and those kind of things are going well. I think there's a whole host of things that can be done here. But let's talk about the ones that even give the, the most revenue drive. Bang for buck. Bang for buck. I would massively start cold call outreach campaigns where I'm actually finding businesses that I don't have any relationship with. And this is on the hunting side of things. Mm-hmm building those lists out. And I think people really massively underestimate the value of those lists. I sold a business back in 2017 where I would say 40% of the value it sold for was based off the intellectual property of just the lists that I had 
Mm -hmm. and how much I was able to show the revenue that I derived from those cold lists. Mm -hmm. So just explain for us a little bit about what those cold lists are. Cold lists are simply, you can utilize a data miner or you can do it yourself. I actually advise you do it yourself to start with because you then acquire the skill set to be able to do it on the long game. You go and get businesses that you want to work with, go and get their names, Mm -hmm. go get their contact details, go get some information, some interesting information about that business, maybe something that they specialize in, have a look at reviews, effectively get as much information as you can about that business and reach out to them. So we call it a dream customer list? We can call it a dream customer list, but, and actually this is where you and I differ a little bit. You heavily play in the dream customer list space. Two sides. I, I think I, I go on a, a local, on a smaller level. I pick yep. a list of 20 dream customers that yep. I really want to target intently and I'll put a lot of energy into those 20 customers. Then I build what you talk talking about a larger list, yes, which won't require as much effort. I won't put as much effort into, but we'll, I will still try and market to and still try and, and do the outreach component with. Yeah. See where so actually we are quite similar in that space. Then yeah. The only difference that I would say is that I look at all of our cold call list and I say that we want to come up with a generic template email. But we add spice, we add variety, we add some form of personal touch into it for each different person that we can. Yeah, personalized is really important. Yeah. 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 So that's effectively what those lists can look like. It can be 20 long, but it realistically, the end game is for your list to have every single business that you could effectively work with what you do as a service in your serviceable area. Mm -hmm. That's my goal. So we build these lists and what do we do with them? Mm, we water them we nurture them we do some form of initial outreach now it can be email phone call walk-in in that order that's the process that's the process yeah. or it can be walk-in or it can just be whatever it's up to you my ideal is that i recommend our clients to do a email out to all mm-hmm. then pick like you said your dream which would be the 20. Mm-hmm. So you might have a list of 100 that you email mm-hmm. you might have 20 that you call mm-hmm. and then you pick five Five that you might have a personal relationship with of some some sort that you're able to gain a massive amount of information about. So therefore you can create a connection mm-hmm. and you actually call those, sorry, walk in the door of those. Yeah. Okay. So you guys do this all the time. Yep. Uh, let's just face it. I don't. Oh, are you um, all right? Yeah, I'm good. But <laughs> so I'm that person right now, like yep. in my head, where do I get this information about these people? Yeah. So well, uh, how do I get that? How do you apply? How do I get that spice? To, to make sure that there's a personal connection that I can build with someone and hopefully build a professional relationship with them. I personally don't look for the spice prior to engaging with these people, like you said, Mitch. Yep. More than anything, I just try and keep it personal. So what I try not to do in that initial email is bombard them with information you know like i'm this cleaning company i've been established for 30 years it just sounds generic i think what i actually try to do is put together a nice brochure which explains all the products and services that i offer and and displays the business in a really nice way and i let that brochure do all that talking so in terms of the actual email that i send out i just try and keep it personalized something along the lines of hey how are you um i big fan of the work your business is doing. I see there's a lot of alignment between your business and my business. Could we arrange a time to catch up where I could tell you a little bit more about how my business could help you with some of the problems you may be experiencing? Mm-hmm. 
just otherwise those emails get lost. You know, how many emails do you guys get each day from however many companies trying to sell you something? And the second you open it and see that it's just a generic email, you, or you don't even open it. Yep. So I, I don't open it. I don't open it. No. So we've got to try and keep it personalized as much as possible. Okay. So the brochure. Tell me a bit more about the brochure. Brochure should, I think the brochure should be four pages at most and hit a few different things. So first of all, contact details, pictures of who we are on the first page, just outlining this is the business. This is who we service. This is where you can contact us. Second, this is who we are. This is who we are. And, you know, the picture says a thousand words. So a nice photo of the team, a nice photo of the business, just showing who you are. Can I make my own brochure? Sure can. Do you know what I love about this is that in our platform, we actually provide these <laughs> templates. Templates. takes super easy. Take you half an hour to put it together. Yeah. Sweet. So I don't even have to pay someone else to do it. I can just do it. No, but if you're not good with a computer and or if you know you don't have the time, you can easily outsource this to someone on a program like Fiverr or Upwork for $50 or $100 and have that brochure made up. It's okay. not hugely complex. Um, Sounds pretty good. Page two, problem solution. So for your industry, these are the problems that we have seen other businesses ex experience and these are the solutions to those problems that we've worked out. So you're, you're bringing up the problems that they are experiencing before they even uh, you even speak to them. So they know that you have got something different to the competition. Page three, I think we build out our workflow um, so we've said these are the, the the solutions to the problems and this is what it will look like to your business. So from when a job comes in, this is how we handle it. These are where the reports are. This is what we'll deliver to you. This is our promise. And finally, on the last page, page four, we want to bring in social proof. So what other customers, what other businesses have said about us, what it's actually like to do business with us. Yeah. Here's where we've done this. Yeah. And this is what that person felt afterwards. This is what others are saying about us. So are you talking about testimonials What you put photos with that? You can put photos with it, absolutely. But I think you can keep it as simple as just even bringing in a few Google reviews. This is what other people have said about our business. Um, in this day and age, people like to buy based on what other people are saying about businesses or products or services. So th that brochure in itself will do most of the heavy lifting. If you attach that to a nice personalized email, you don't have to go and explain to this potential business how good you are. The, the proof is already there. Okay. So I email, then they they've hopefully opened it and they've seen my brochure. Mm -hmm. Well, this is thing. actually, wait. There's a trick to that. This is the best part. They don't have to open it. Okay, why not? Because what you're doing here is you're actually creating an anchor where when you get to the call stage, or the walk-in, you can refer back to it. Hi, I sent you an email. Hi, I this. Did you get our booklet? Did you happen to read over it? Then it becomes a point of the conversation isn't, hi, Mitch here from, do you have a couple of minutes for me to talk to you about X, Y, and Z? Yeah. It's simply an open question around, I've sent you a resource already. Did you get it? If the answer is yes, it's a great intro and a great way to go through it. Mm -hmm. If the answer is no, oh, I actually have one here with me right now. Do you have some time to go through it or can we book an appointment? Mm. Yeah. Okay. So I would then walk in with the brochure. Well, I would I would try and call them first. Okay. So we keep it. I like to operate on like a seven day structure with this. Email day one, day three, call up with the intention to uh, make a time to go out and see them. 
And uh, if you, you get hold of them, great. And you can make that appointment, great. If not, drop in seven days later and just again, reiterate what the email has said. Yep. Yeah. The intention, I see a lot of the time with these emails, I see people just try and win the work there from the email. And while that can be great, if you can achieve that, a lot of the time, it's not a reality. The reality is that's normally like a five to 10% game. If we if we bring it back to, to dating, it's like, asking someone to marry you on the first message or on the first time you ever see them. You can't expect to to go that far with the initial contact. So you've got to be you patient. Could. Beard like that, <laughs> mate, you could. Anyway, so I think we've just got to be patient and we've got to build a relationship. Send the email out, give them a call. Again, reiterate, hey, we'd really love to work with your business. Um, I've sent you out this, this email with the brochure attached. Um, is there a time I can catch up with you on Friday to talk about what we can do for your business? You just proposed a day. Why? Well, it's a, so I would prefer, rather propose a time and a, it's, it softens the blow. So if I call up and say, hey, would you, would you be interested in catching up with me? Chances are they're going to say no. Mm-hmm. If I call up and instead ask the question, are you available next Friday to catch up? The question goes from, are you interested in talking to me? to does this, time, this work? time working for you mm-hmm. so we're assuming that um they're going to make a time so it's just a bit of sales psychology in that yeah it's like the old visa or mastercard trick mm-hmm. yep perfect mm-hmm. i feel like that was very detailed do you know what it's <laughs> you know what? this is this is the funny thing it's so detailed and there's so many people listening to this right now but so many won't do it yeah. And it's such an easy, simple strategy that works so well. How often have we seen it work? Mm. Like hundred percent of the time. Yeah. It works every time. Every single day, our clients are telling us, Oh my God, I just got this client and this client and this client and this client. How did you get them? Oh, this strategy. Yeah. Where where I see this go wrong most of the time is people just don't go the full extent. The they'll consistency, send, yeah, the they'll nurture. Send, they'll send the email out, but then they won't pick up the call. Yeah. Or if they, they do pick up the call, they don't go to that next level, actually going out and yep. seeing somebody. Like I can promise every business out there, if you send the email, if you make the phone call and then you go out there, you will win work. There is no doubt about it. And the reason being is that your competition are not going to that full extent. I can make a bigger promise. Let's say that you start a list with 30 people on it. If you see the course of a nurture sequence properly, which a nurture sequence can go for years yep if you consistently reach out to those people every month in some manner Mm. i would say by the end of year two you will have gained every one of those clients yeah i'd say comfortably at least 75 percent of them yeah and that's a huge amount of client acquisition we're talking about just there but let's give let's go to one more way in which you can acquire some leads and increase this so that you are getting to the point of being able to hire you know billable right we've talked about google ads in the last one what's another paid space that we could actually move into I'd say the next one would be Facebook ads. Yep. You'd put Facebook ads over SEO? At this point, yes. Yep. Okay. Perfect. Because SEO is going to take six to 12 months, at least be a realistic 12 months before you're going to see any results from it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Whereas Facebook ads are instant. You can put yourself in front of the right customer right now, ready to buy. Yep. Uh, challenge. At this point in time, do you have the time components needed to respond to people and we can talk about software here. How do we make sure that we have the right time allocation and the automation set up to be able to respond to that volume of leads coming in when we're already busy? Mm-hmm. 
And we could talk about, you know, there's things like your CRMs, mm. your HubSpot, mm -hmm. Lana, mm. you know, you've got Podium, mm. you know, and a lot of our clients utilize some of these in some really, really clever and efficient ways where it literally automates the process. And I'm a big fan of, of this simple structure where it automates the process of when someone actually does reach out to you on a Facebook lead or a Facebook ad, they get an instant response and maybe a form to ask them what they need. Mm -hmm. And it feels like they're dealing with a real person. Yeah. So with the, all these automated responses and things that we can build out, essentially what it does is it just parks the client. So you can come back to it at a time that suits you. Yep. With uh, Google ads, with Facebook ads, it's all about the time in which that person gets in contact with you to you answering the call or getting back to them, the more time that lapses, the less likely that is to convert. Once again, time until solution. Yeah. Because at this point, right, you it's you, you might have one or two billable resources, you're managing them mm -hmm. and you're probably on the tools, but you're also managing all of this. There's a lot of things going yeah. on right now. It, yeah. What's the most cost-effective way to do this? The most cost-effective way? Well, I'm just thinking if I'm just sort of at that point where... I want to automate it, but I don't want to spend thousands a month to do this. Mm -hmm. So for me, what what are the best solutions while you're still like a small loan, you don't want to sink too many funds in there. You might want to just spend a little bit more on your ads for that moment. If, if we're talking about the cheapest way, you can effectively go and get yourself one single Zapier account and have all of your leads push into a spreadsheet. Yeah, that's... Maybe a little bit more complex for some people using Zapier, but that, that would definitely be one of the, the easiest and most cost-effective ways to do it. Yep. A lot of um, the CRM softwares will have a free package, which will have limited capabilities, but it would be a good place to start. I think what you've got to look at is essentially if you can manage this space correctly and you can get back to people in the right amount of time, you're going to make more money mm -hmm. because you're going to convert more jobs. So these softwares, when used correctly, are actually an asset, not a liability. 100%. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's a mentality shift that actually has to happen at this stage in business is you have to start looking at certain things as an asset to your business as opposed to a liability. They're, they're an asset if you're utilizing them correctly. If you buy it, don't set it up and don't use it, then it's a liability. And I yeah. see that happen more often than not. Yeah, people get uh, get in, in bed with these software companies or something that's expensive. Mm. And I did those, what are they called again? Quotations? Air, 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 quotation. air quotation thingies. Air guitar. No, <laughs> air quotation. And they're just wasting money because they're not utilizing they're not it utilizing. properly. And then they give the software a bad name. Yeah, so they're just ticking a box, but they're not actually utilizing it. like the gym membership tag. Yeah. Like you've got a gym membership tag on your keys, yeah. but or you don't actually go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, that makes sense to me. I quite like it, but it comes back to what's the value in something, right? Um, yep, there's different price points for everything. Mm -hmm. If you see the value in it and it actually helps you grow your business, it's worth spending a bit more if you get more out of it. Yeah. That, that's like if you're looking at any expense, um, it's, it's worth it if, if you're using it to its full extent and you're making more money through it. So yeah. the way I see these um, CRMs is you collect every single person that you talk to mm -hmm. and see when did I talk to them last, where are they at, should I reach out to them again, um, can I book them in for work? And the big one that you're missing there is, is there a way I can automate the process of nurturing them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can I send them an email after they've sent me a lead request yep. that shows them my team? 
Can a couple of hours later or a day later, I send them an email just like the booklet that shows them uh, social proof? Mm. Can I show them additional services that I offer six weeks down the track? Can I ask them for reviews? Can I ask them for referrals? Can I ask all these things? Mm. Can I automate that process? And at this point in business, you are so busy because you haven't got the administration help, but you've got more billables. Those pieces of software can be game-changing. And Mm. we're not sitting here pushing that you have to get them. What we're saying is that you need to come up with a way in which you can utilize your time and be the most efficient you can at this stage. Because Mm. in the end, you're going to have your small team but your team to look after and yourself you want to get paid so you need to make sure the work's still coming in if you're losing your leads you're losing you got, work you've got holes in your pockets yeah you know and money is flying out of them yeah and that's to be honest this is the biggest thing that i see with businesses this size they hire and then they stop the lead gen oh. or they sla- they get to well, they do the- follow up or they just do the same yeah the reality yeah, so- is i talk about this all the time like let's say it's state of origin night uh nrl fans State of origin night, you've got two friends coming over. How many pizzas are you ordering? Three. But if you're going to now have five people come over, five mouths to feed, five staff, how many pizzas? Still three? No. You need more pizza. (laughs) As your business grows, you need to do more lead generation. Yeah. Um, Because, yeah, it's just the biggest issue I see where just that higher, the higher again, and it just goes downhill because the work slows down or they're like, well, my team's busy, but I'm not. Mm. It's like, what do you do? Like, wh- how do you spend your time? Like, you should drum up more work. Yeah. And like, this is the thing. At, at all stages of business, sales is the most important part of every single business. If you are not growing, you're dying. If you're not acquiring more customers, you're getting stuck in shit. And, and eventually, things are going to start to drop off. Yeah. All right, so first is the sales side of it. We've talked about now acquiring more revenue to actually get you to the point where you can hire an administration person or someone to help you there. Let's go to the second most important thing, which is my what I think is the team. You've now got a team. Yep. How do we actually manage this team? How do we make sure they're feeling good? What are we going to do in that space? I think two things that we have to have had ticked off at this point is, and we should have back at the first stage, we have to have had account management software built into you the business. That, yep. yep. And we have to have had job management software like ServiceMate, Simpro, Tradeify, Scorer, Aeroflow, whatever. There's so many out There's so many new ones coming out as well that are so exciting, but you have to have that in place. You need to utilize technology. Yep. Otherwise, yep. you're going to need 10 more staff to, this, to manage all your staff. This is actually at one point about teams that I wanted to get to, and it's, um, scheduling. You need to become good at utilizing everyone's time oh. and be smart about when do you send them where on where mm. on what day. Uh, can you lump jobs in the same area together? When so, do you quote? You yeah. know what time of the day? And, how, how do you not get bogged under with quotes in the middle of the day? That kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. You want to make sure that team also has a really good upsell process. That is the one I wanted to touch on. Yeah. This is like the most important part at this stage, I think. How do we get the most out of every single opportunity? How do we turn the average dollar of each job from $500 to $2,000? Because the cost of acquiring customer is high. Yep. How do we get more from each customer? And that's where upselling yeah. becomes a vital part. And your staff need to embrace this part of the business. Yeah. And it's not just upselling. Like We always want to look at what is, what is, what is something we can get out of a client 
additionally than what we've walked there, we've gone there for. Yeah. And so that is additional upsells, you know, creating additional quotes of what we find and then putting that into a lead sequence itself. But it's also getting reviews. Mm-hmm. It's also getting referrals. It's also getting repeat work, you know, reports, repeat work, referrals and reviews. It's our four R's for our current customer engine. Mm-hmm. It's what can we extract? from the person that we're on site with right there and then. Mm-hmm. It comes back to providing more value, right? A hundred percent. The value stack. The value stack. Um, I actually want to talk real quick about something. At this point in time, you'll probably be quite loaded with admin as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's a good point in time to outsource your bookkeeping, especially if that's not your strong suit. Yes. I think it actually <laughs> sure people will be relieved to hear this as well. Yeah. So um, you know, that's for me a money well spent to know someone's looking after your books. And you can log into your cloud-based accounting software at any point in time and you know where your numbers are at. And you can rely on that person that does the bookkeeping for you to have it all clean and tidy so you're keep up to date with your ATO requirements um, and you know, okay, yep, my payroll is set up correctly, everything's in place and I can ask someone the questions if I don't know myself, Mm. especially if you tend to not know what you're doing and it takes you an hour, two, three hours a week to stay on top of things, Mm. outsource it. Better off being out there on the tools and making that money and paying someone else to do that. Yeah. So you can be efficient. And then knowing it's right as well. Yes. Yep. Um, I actually just got a message sitting here right now on the phone from one of our clients just dropped in and introduced myself with a card and magnet to 90% of the shops in a certain space. Mm -hmm. That's someone right there doing exactly what we talk about, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's really, really good at it. He's actually one of the, he's one of the first people that took on the booklet um, mythology that we talked about first. And he nails that space really well. So it's, I think it's funny that I just got a message from him around that. Mm-hmm. Now, we didn't finish the team stuff, but... Okay, let's go back there. This is where you have to start thinking about the culture. This is where you have to start thinking about, and we covered this last mm-hmm. week, meetings. Trainings and meetings, yeah. Agendas, training. Mm-hmm. It's where we have to make sure we're doing reviews. performance reviews mm-hmm. and events where we're doing something each quarter, where we're really taking care of that staff, creating great spaces for communication, mm-hmm. for dialogue, for growth in and around people. Mm. That's a, such an important space here because at this point we've probably probably only got two staff, three staff. We're about to go and explode and get more. Mm. We want to make sure we've built that out here and yeah. it's working and it's consistent before we go and add more. I've, I've seen it on the other side when that culture is not built out and the team gets big, you will have so many fires and spot fires to put out within just the HR space alone. Like the culture component needs to be made well on a small scale before you scale it out to a bigger team. Yeah. Because the the habits that are created are are going to be showcased to your future employees. Yeah. So how these staff members operate when it comes to, you know, interacting with clients, upselling, all this kind of stuff will only be replicated in the future staff that you hire. If you get it right from the beginning, from that first hire, it's like this is how we do things for anyone who comes in after. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to train that stuff from the beginning mm-hmm. um, rather than like changing a lot. But the first few people that you will hire, they will go through changes with you as your team grows. Yeah. So working with them and making sure that culture is 
nice and people want to go to work and want to work with you and they're part of the process is super important to then for anyone who follows after that Mm. they want to actually show you like wow we used to do this but now we're doing this and it's way better and you know let's let us show you because you're new make that their performance pathway you know we're going to be setting some standards and different examples here and i want you to be the person that showcases that i want you to be the one that sets the example and grows with the company as we go through this this stage Yep. Yep. In regards to systems, operating procedures, and all of these things, this is the point where you should start to have this. Yeah. Stuff. No, you're not going to be 100% of the way there, but you should start to have your SOPs built out, your policies and procedures written down. Mm-hmm. You know, systems should be known and followed, and there should be processes around how we actually build these systems out mm-hmm. because your administration person is going to come in. And what we don't want to have happen is you have to spend 40 hours a week, you know, every hour you've got that they're there training them. Yes, there's going to be a component of training and where you have to train them to do that. But you can remove a lot of that need with something like Loom, another piece of technology. That's a big theme here. Technology. Yep. Another piece of technology like Loom where you can record your processes so that when the administration person does come on, they can do it in the exact same way that you do it. Yeah. They can follow along. Yeah. Anytime you do something, record it and document it. And that way you won't have to continuously repeat it as you go through the the next stages in business. Yeah. Build up your little training library as you go. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Anything else? I've got a couple of questions, but anything else that we want to add into this? Not from my end right now. Yep. Okay. So at this point in time, what are we paying? Are we paying bottom dollar? For? For staff. Never, never paying bottom dollar. Yeah, I think that's a really important yeah, like point that. is that we never pay bottom dollar. No. We always pay people what they're worth. Yeah, yeah. We, we look at what the market's paying and and generally we, we, we pay even a little bit beyond that because yep. we're not looking for just anybody and we don't want people to feel like they're not valued. We also want to keep the staff here. Yeah. Yep. This is that time where the biggest problem that people face is that they get to around three or four staff and they stay there because they hire one, they lose one. They hire one, they lose one because they're not building out the other stuff. Yeah. And they're if, not taking care of their team. lose one of these staff members as well, like what is going to actually cost you to train another? Yep. Yep. You know, like in this day and age, there are, it's very competitive out there. People are getting poached. Like we need to make sure that A, people feel valued and they're B, remunerated correctly. And, and by doing that, you will build a healthy and happy team. Yep. yep. Awesome. Do I need a warehouse or office at this point? I've got an administration coming on board. Do I need this? I I think you're getting to the space now where you need a dedicated space, particularly for the team to show up and for you to be able to have meetings and a a central point. Yep. Can be done from the house, can be done from home, but it will operate better from a dedicated space. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. We've seen businesses that don't have a, uh, you know, a designated space at this point. And it's always a very different space than the ones that do. Yeah. Also your administration person um, that's coming in, that will be their central place of work. Mm-hmm. And it's going to feel a lot more like a, a, a proper, and I'm not saying it isn't, if it doesn't, but it's going to feel like a, a lot more of a proper established business. Mm-hmm. If they have somewhere that they can be, and it feels like it's a part of the business mm-hmm. outside of their home, and where you can also go and switch off from all of the noise, the outside world, home life, 
and actually work on the business because this next stage that's coming up is a big one. Yes. And it can be humble. It doesn't have to be this massive warehouse that can like house that 50 people, you know. <laughs> yeah. It, like us, when we we started our business, you know, we started with a small office and then as as the team grew and we outgrew the space, we went and found another office space. Yeah. But it's just, we found that in particular as well, just having that dedicated space really does, A, bring things to another level and allows you to separate home life from work, work life. Yeah. Yep. Now to you, what cash reserves would I want to have put aside? Or if if any, if I'm going to bring in a non-billable resource? You first of all want to read, like check your pricing again, I think, or just like your overhead, see if everything's still in line. And basically that admin wage will have to be covered by the hours put in by your billable resources, right? So it really comes down to uh, how much are you going to pay them? How many days will there be there? Um, I love like a full-time admin if you can. And if you like, you will just offload your um your admin work to them right mm. they'll do the scheduling they'll take the phone calls they might do some lead gen they might do some facebook ads and instagram posts all that sort of stuff for you mm. um so full time definitely good but be mindful yep it's another wage and they're not going to be able to work for that wage so I, your other team has to come up i think if you can find somebody with some sales skills will make this person an asset so if they're able to actually, through the way that they communicate with your potential customers on the phone, able to book more work and get more jobs in, they actually start bringing something to the business rather than costing the business. Yeah. For myself, this is a maths-based one. If we're talking about, you know, a billable resource that, and this is an example, can generate you $30,000 in revenue yep. and you can effectively make 20% net off that, that's going to be $6,000. That's realistically the wage you're going to be paying. Like that's that's a, a nice wage for someone sitting in the administration space. Yep. That means that one billable resource negates the effect of one non-billable resource. So therefore, if you've got three staff that are non-billable and that's generating you $6,000 profit each. Billable. You, billable, sorry. You have to understand that you're now going to slide back down and the only way to get up to there again once you hire that non-billable is to actually hire a billable or again yeah. or like you're going to be way more on the tools again yes or yeah. you yes yeah. you yourself as the owner now has additional capacity to go back on the tools yeah. which i think is really important really like we uh, owners need to stay on the tools for as long as possible like yeah. we can't just check out just yet we've got to keep driving the business as much as we can yeah yeah owners check out too quick too quick not only do they quit check out from thinking that they need to be on the tools but thinking they need to do anything mm. You know, we often see it that someone jumps on board and they're at a certain level and a big part of our initial struggle with them is giving them a bit of a reality check mm. around what business is and what it's going to take to get it to the level where they can actually stop being on the tools fully mm. and also then fully automate and step away from their business. This is a bit of a mirage in those early days. You know, you put on your first billable staff, you get a, a an admin person and all of a sudden the business is actually capable of running itself to some degree mm -hmm. and there can be this like oh i can i can just back off now and i can just but that's just not the case uh you need to continue to drive the business you need to continue to be in there creating billable hours so you can get to the next stages of business and that's what i love so much about what we do it's literally there's a mathematical point in business 
where you can, and that's why we're breaking down into stages, where you can step off the tools fully, where you can step away from the business. Mm -hmm. But also what I love is, and this is highlighted so well with one of our clients at the moment, is we're talking about 400K plus months. Yet he himself is someone that will happily jump back on the tools when need be. Mm. He's someone that will, you know what, I want to go and try this different type of work. He'll jump on, he'll go and still get tickets for that. At the moment, he's about to go and travel across the country to go and work in a completely different state, mm. six hours flight away from his family. For a month. For a month mm. to go and establish a new relationship mm. and to also build out a new skill set for what he can then bring back to his business. Mm. Mm. And then build out another team around that. Humility. Hum oh, yeah. Mm. It's one of those fundamental characteristics that we see disappear so quickly mm. in business owners. Mm. We look at it and we go, we can now have the world. It doesn't mean you have to have it. No. Or they think they can have the world. Mm. You know, the, the, the actual definition, uh, the dictionary definition of humility is to remain teachable. Yep. So to never think that you've got it that there's always still a lesson to learn and to be willing, you know, to, to continue to learn. Yeah. The wisest man in the room, you know, knows that he doesn't know much at all. Yeah. The more, you know, the less you actually know. What's the parent? What's that? Is that the... Isn't that, what's that person's rule? Oh, it's on my, it's on my board <laughs> the right Dunning there. Kruger That's it. The Dunning-Kruger effect. Mm. Yeah. You know, when you're young and you're full of ego and you think, you know, everything. And then as you start to get older, you start to realize, oh, I didn't know everything. And now you actually know more, but you feel like you know less. Mm. So in this part of your business or the stage of the business, it's important to still stay on the ground a little bit. Yeah, stay right-sized. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, don't go after all the shiny things because you think you're there already. Yeah. It will come. You're on your way. But I also that's a bit of a downfall when people just go, yep, I'm there, and they're just – go out a little drop. bit too much, <laughs> yeah. um, It's you're close, but you're not quite there yeah, yet. Yeah, don't leave before the miracle happens. Yeah. Yeah. So many metaphors <laughs> and anal analogies just dropped. I like it. All right. Have we got anything else for this one? I think can't get better than that. I think, I think I'm going to mic drop there, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, with your mic drop, Nate, I'm out. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye.